Paul Lambert und Karl-Heinz Riele 1 zu 0 für Borussia Dortmund. Welcome to another episode of the German Football Podcast and we've returned after uh, an international break, very, very successful international break if you come from Scotland, which accounts for two-thirds of the podcast today. Uh, and one of those is Roy. How are you doing? Doing well. Sitting in an FC Kiln retro shirt with a gaffle kill, so I cannot be any happier, to be honest. You're really making the most of living in Hamburg. Really, I'm um, really. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't wear this outside, though. I'm still yet to wear it outside. <laughs> I'm I think you'll be fine. Uh, but we're also joined by George. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm well. I, I, I would I would mention um, that I also had a successful international break, but um, yeah, maybe that's just maybe that's to be expected. We don't we don't have to celebrate the victories over tiny nations like like Scotland do, I suppose. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I'm I'm well. Thanks. I got my managed to get my ticket for. Um, the Schalke Pokal game today, as the membership sales went went uh, on sale today. So I'm already looking forward to to um, the Mulders versus Toroda showdown on Tuesday night under the lights in the Grunewalder Stadion, hoping for a cup set. And I've got to say, expecting a cup set as well. So looking forward to that already. Expecting, that's uh, setting you up for a disappointment. Yeah, but maybe they'll continue their continue the Pokal form that saw them beat Darmstadt uh, rather than the league form which sees them fail to beat sides like Zwickau and Halle but we'll see uh, yeah so George heading off to Grunwalder to see 1860 but he actually managed to catch a couple of games at the weekend there in his tour of Germany as on stopped. Friday night he, he never stops but on Friday night, he made the trip to, well, not on, he didn't make the trip on Friday night, but on Friday night, he saw Victoria Berlin play Osnabrück. Was that a, an enjoyable experience for you? Um, yeah, it was. Well, yeah, I've been, I have sort of been uh, rocking up the, the air miles or sort of Flix train and Deutsche Bahn miles uh, as it is at the moment. So, yeah, had a had a nice um, day and in the Germany's fine capital. And then, um, with a couple of friends went to um the the much um debated on this podcast how much we like it but went to the Friedrich Ludwig Jahn Sport Park and um yeah it was good I've got obviously as we've mentioned before Victoria in themselves are not a very well supported club but there's still a lot of fans that go to watch them play um just because um I mean it's the people that I spoke to there which could have been more people, as as Colin knows, but uh, we'll skip past that. Um, anyway, um, they were mainly groundhoppers. I was talking to two lads behind me who were Holstein Kiel fans, but uh, it's it's sort of like um, like an essential trip for for uh, German groundhoppers. So that was quite cool. At halftime, I, I did try to get into the Falfa um, Osnabrück um, away end because they, they really put on quite a show. And it was, of course, the, the second time in as many weeks that I'd seen Osnabrück play. This time I actually saw them win. 
which as I, I put in our WhatsApp group was I think the seventh away win I'd seen in a row, as in I hadn't seen a home team win yet, which was uh, slightly disappointing. But it was a, it was a great game overall, um, uh, from what I remember. Um, uh, Victoria went one 0 up, with an absolutely cracking goal um, quite early on in the game. But after that, um, um, yeah, Osnabrück really took control of the game. But I think just it was it was just nice just looking around such a historic ground. It was obviously quite well chronicled in, during the DDR as well. Um, and just like there's not really much better feeling than like a Friday night with some beers and watching the football. So yeah, it was very, very, very enjoyable experience overall. Yeah, I've got to say, I, looking at the pictures and seeing the, the sea of empty yellow, green, red, whatever other colours of seats uh, lying there, I wasn't particularly jealous, but. I'll take your word that it was a, an enjoyable experience. And Osnabrück did seem to have a, a decent turnout, making most of the atmosphere, I would imagine. And I, I saw the highlights of it as well. The, the first goal was very good. Uh, so that, was, that your first, was that your first trip to that ground? It was, yeah. And um, I like, like I said, the, the atmosphere before the game as well, I think, it, like I said, it was just because it was a Friday night. And I think... Because the tickets are very cheap, um, you know, it was just seemed like everyone in that part of Berlin, sort of that was the thing to do on the Friday night. Like they're obviously not especially behind the club or the team, um, but uh, yeah, just the atmosphere before it was quite an, it was quite an early kickoff. Um, it was half six or seven o'clock. Um, I think it was half six. Um, so yeah, everyone was in in a jovial mood. Um, and yeah, it was just it was just nice to take another one off off the um off the list. But yeah, Osnabrück definitely brought sort of all the atmosphere, which is why, like I said, I did try and convince um one of the stewards that I that I bought the wrong ticket, and I actually was an Osnabrück fan. But um, she probably rightly um didn't believe me, so that was a shame. But no, it was it was um it was uh, it was it was good spectacle all round. So good to see. Uh... So that that that, would, that kicked off the Dritte League weekend. But uh, do you have any other news from the Dritte League that we should be hearing of? Any eighteen sixty news? Yeah, well, the, the good news the good news from from this weekend is that um, eighteen sixty finally managed to to not draw a game one all, um, <laughs> and, and that that's because they didn't actually play because um, there was a, a corona outbreak in the Waldhof Mannheim camp. Um, so I mean that means we should be we should be all the more um, fresh with you know not so many uh, miles in the tank ready for like I said the big game against um, Schalke on Tuesday but we do have uh, Zabrook in the face before then but um, you know um, elsewhere I'd say that Magdeburg put put a marker down has probably confirmed that they're you know going to be the the team to go up getting a three two win away to Esfal Meppen but. Um, I mean, if you look if you look at the top of the table of the Dritte League now, the between second and sixth um, is just separated by a point, and between second and uh, tenth is separated by two points. So really, really close. I mean, uh, Dortmund lost this weekend. I mean, like uh, as we know, Osnabrück got a win. Um, Zabrück and won away as well. Um, so 
it's looking very very tight unfortunately you know the, the more the, the as the weeks go by it still seem to be passing 1860 by and pulling further away but from a neutral point of view it couldn't really be more exciting when it comes to the top of the the, the Tristaliga table um, with the exception of Magdeburg who are now five points clear um so yeah it's looking for, uh, still a very uh, exciting league to to be keeping an eye on yeah, I mean, your your spirit seemed to have picked up a wee bit in the, the absence of the 1860 disappointment over the, the weekend, but the table isn't looking too great for them. It's not too pretty, uh, sitting in the 15th, albeit with the game in hand. Mm-hmm. Still, given, given the expectation at the start of the season, it, you wouldn't have wanted to be 12 points off the top at this point. No, definitely. That's definitely true. Although, although there, there are rumours of our um, of a, scout, a successful scouting mission that's been going on um, by the sporting director um, Gunter Gerenzel to the Regionalliga Bayern, um, and I believe we should be splashing around about in total 120,000 euros on two strikers um, from the Regionalliga Bayern, from um, ones from Backerborghausen, I believe. Can't exactly remember where that one's from, but ex- keep an eye on, keep an eye out for that in January. Two hot, exciting prospects coming in from uh, as the, the the new heirs to to Sancho Motors. So you know maybe once the January transfer windows um, brought us some luck, then we might be able to turn things around. But we'll see. Maybe you can uh, scout yourself a new coach and get Sandro Wagner in. Well, that that's I, I wouldn't sort of go as far as to blasphemize to talk about. Uh, Kona getting the sack because I, I don't think that's where we're going wrong here. So, um, ne- 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 never going to be never going to start to doubt Mickey Kona. So. Just uh, just imagine though, imagine he became a player coach and you you got to play Zasha Moldas and Zandro Wagner up front. Yeah, well, he was on the Dazone uh, 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 co- uh, commentary or he was one of the pundits on Dazone for the Champions League last night. And um, it's just what he's just so tall, it was mental how tall he is. It, I mean, as uh, well of his, his, his pretty relevant footballing points he was making, um, it was just <laughs> astonishing how tall he looks. Like when, because he was uh, like next to the pitch and um, um, interviewing like the players and stuff. It's remarkable. That's that's the kind of um, footballing insight that I'm sure everyone listens. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah it's, I think we've got to see him. Like Ray, Ray, I think. Regionalliga Bayern is wasting his talent. I think we've got to see him back in the professional divisions, and if that's got to be, yeah, I, football. You don't often see, it, but most most football managers are quite small. That is, that is I think that is something that needs to be up. <laughs> you don't see a lot of really tall football managers. I mean, like um um on um oh, on Sky or Amazon when they were doing the Champions League highlights. Um, a couple of days ago, Florian Kofeld was doing the um, was doing the analysis, and he, he like he's I feel like he was just like average size for just a pretty small, pretty small bloke. I wonder if there's something in that. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? Tim Valters know that tall. Yeah, no, I, I can't off the top of my head. I can't off the top of my head think of an especially tall. That's gonna Van Bommel's Van Bommel was quite small as well mm. when when I yeah. not to name drop or anything, but when I when I went to the Bolsburg um, Hamburg. Uh, <laughs> Friendly, he, 
give up and give a wee first pop. He was very small. I just think of people like Christian Strike and things like that. I think I'm not, I think we're onto something here. Yeah, I think there's a there's you a Pankus, um, of German football. You're Pankus, um, Michael Kona. Can't think of any other. Um, uh, Pellegrino Matarazzo, he's quite tall. Oh, that's true. Tommy Wright's quite tall as well, but I think that's jumping the gun a wee bit over here. We don't talk about Kilmarnock. <laughs> anyway, we, we got slightly sidetracked by the Dratteliga chat there, moving on from Zandro Wagner to do tall football managers actually exist? Um, I, I still don't think we came to a concrete conclusion. No, I, I would, lo- I would I like... I think Pellegrino and Matarazzo is a defining answer that, that it is possible to be a talented football coach and be over six foot. I'm pretty sure Rudiger Lehm, who's the Van Diesbarn manager, is quite tall. Um, and he's been pretty successful there despite getting them relegated, but he's been the gaffer there for like five, six years now. So if anyone, if anyone is listening, it cares enough to... Um, use their brain cells in to think of a, a tall football manager who's enjoyed success, especially in the German game, then let us know. That's a good point, though. Like, I'm, I'm thinking of every every face that pops in my head is like some small guy like roaring in the touchline. Yeah, exactly. We Stefan Baumgart. We men. Mm. We, we men Stephen syndrome. Baumgart. Like we man syndrome, like shouting Aye. and balling from the touchline like Stefan Baumgart. It's got a but stump. If you're thinking, just as they say, if, if you're thinking of coaches and you hear one, let us know because we're we're desperate to hear. We've got to got got to see if there's any truth in this theory. Because the more I think about it, the more I think it's actually true. Uh, I think we're in the name this week. Yeah, <laughs> we've got we've got the name from this this conversation. Uh, and syndrome managers. So, after getting sidetracked, we'll move on to Saturday, where uh, George broke the broke the awaiting jinx. So mm. Dortmund overcome Mainz by three goals to one. Witnessed the long-awaited return of Erling Holland. Yeah, take it uh, away. Yeah, well, I mean. It was a uh, as I mean, it's not a short journey. Put it that way between um between Berlin and Dortmund. So uh, as we rose after you know not not eight hours sleep exactly, um, sort of walking through uh, East Berlin to see the sort of stragglers from from the night before, as we as we got to uh, the Hauptbahnhof, um, had a honestly horrific uh, train journey. But I feel like this might turn into one of these stories where. Um, I just end up explaining every detail for, for no reason. So I'll, I'll stick to the game. Um, although I, I shan't stick to the game because there was an actual um, scandal just before the game. Well, you know, we were sort of soaking up the atmosphere before the game. I wanted to get in a bit later than I would like to, but around about 35 minutes before kickoff, we were sitting in the Südtribüne, also known affectionately as the Yellow Wall. Um, and... Firstly, I've got to say thanks again to Anton for uh, getting me those tickets because uh, otherwise, would probably would have had to sit elsewhere. So uh, I, I'm not, I can't uh, thank him enough for for sorting those for me. Um, so yes, but um, we went to. I thought 35 minutes or so would be enough enough time based on my experience of a German football ground since Corona. But uh, the entrance was absolute standstill. 
it's like M25 on a Friday night, like absolute car park. Um, so I was, and then the really started to, you know, chaos started to break out really. People were getting quite disgruntled the fact that, no, that nothing was moving. It became quite obvious with about 10 minutes to kick off that most people, I'd say there was at least 10, 12,000 people there that couldn't get in. Um, and they were, it was pretty obvious that we were all going to miss kickoff. So eventually, with about three minutes to go, they just let everyone through without really checking uh, any sort of like um, COVID stuff or like hardly checking the tickets, which was a bit chaotic. Also meant that um, as we got into the ground, into the um, concourse, that as we were like faffing around trying to figure out where we were going to stand, that um, we heard the first goal go in. So missed the first goal, which was quite unfortunate, which on with the highlights looked a great goal. Um, from, from Royce and was it was just so classic that I managed to miss that but yeah once we got into the ghetto wall it was just further like further just chaos just like stand wherever you can just packed in like sardines but honestly class um and then yeah got to see um my favorite footballer in the world um Nico Schultz, Nico Schultz um um just got to see Drew Bellingham play which was great and also obviously Erling Haaland um and yeah, especially the way that um, you know Bellingham won the ball for that third goal, and then um, Har Harlan just slotted it through in like instinctive fashion, just limbs everywhere, really, um, just absolute yeah pandemonium. The crowd went wild, and then after the game, just seeing the fans celebrate all around the crowd. I mean, the thing you forget about Harland is that he's actually hardly played for Dortmund with a crowd. I mean, he came in in the December, January of 2019 and 20 and played a few games there, especially remember the Champions League game um, where he scored um, against. Do you know the game I'm talking about? What was that? Sorry. What was the Champions Stop League game it. where Haaland scored like in like February of 2020? They scored like an unreal goal. Ah, I can't remember. I remember I, <clears throat> I think his debut was the way to Augsburg in the league where he scored. Mm. a couple but I can't remember the Champions League yeah, yeah I thought so. you know what I was laughing there because I thought you were going to say the thing about Erling Haaland is <laughs> when you see him in the flesh he isn't actually that tall <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but so yeah he had, he had only a couple of months before Covid and then obviously um, this would have been the, the most full that he's seen a stadium uh, since pretty much for you know 18 months or so um so after the game you could tell he was just absolutely loving it i mean one fella ran on the pitch and you know you'd think that a play of harlan statue would basically just tell him to piss off but um you know he was just celebrating with his fan like took him over to the yellow wall um gave him his shirt in the end which which rather sad sorry that ended up getting stolen by a security guard and you might have seen on twitter that um harlan ended up sending him another shirt so um, no, it was just great to be in and amongst that and just, yeah, to see a bit of Dortmund, like really get the feel for like every everything in Dortmund is, is to do with B4B. Like as soon as you walk out of the train station, you get the vibe of how much the club is just it's essential to the city. So, um, you know, it was probably the, my favourite stadium I've ever been to um, and it wasn't even completely full. I mean, the Ultras still weren't there. Um, their first game back was the one on Tuesday away in, in Amsterdam but still it was an unbelievable atmosphere and yeah, the, the highlight being that third goal um, from Haaland so yeah 
very very enjoyable experience and once again thanks very much to, to Anton yeah I'm glad glad I didn't it lived up to expectations see you hear um you hear uh, everyone talk about Dortmund Stadium how it's one of the best atmospheres and everything but glad it didn't disappoint particularly when the ultras weren't there the atmosphere still lived up to expectations and yeah yeah, you managed you managed to experience that. So your, your favourite stadium, did you say? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, previously my favourite stadium I've been to um, was been the Mestalla in Valencia, but I think um, just about the atmosphere that on a match day for the whole city, then the stadium and the atmosphere and the sort of togetherness of the club. I'd say that Dortmund um, probably not not the, the Mestalla off its um, off its of its crown. I think it, it makes a difference. I don't know. To me, it makes a difference the colours as well, the yellow and black, because it's so distinctive. Yeah. Uh, it probably makes a difference. Similar to how uh, in the Bremer Brooka, everyone wears purple. Um, mm. So it's. Uh, I like to see. Like you like to see the distinctive colours because it makes a difference on the day. The sort of spectacle of it. Yeah. Uh, just, just like the. I mean, when when the third goal went in. Just like the scenes of like the like grown men in front of me, just like essentially upside down, just having absolutely no idea what was going on. Um, I mean, I think throughout the whole game, I had at what the unfortunate fellow behind me, you know, those like uh, things that they carry like beer in that are like those like mm -hmm. hold. His just kept collapsing, so he dropped about three pints in my foot. Um, <laughs> Um, but just like everything about it was so chaotic, and just like every time a goal went in, it was just yeah, limbs and uh, just the thing, yeah, the whole atmosphere was just not like something I've experienced too, too often in a football game. So, can I can only uh, recommend, yeah, so great that you're managing to experience all these games live. So, I think, I think with that, it's probably, probably a good point to say that, um, with all these games particularly in the Hamburg area that I'll be heading across to Hamburg next week. Uh, we've got a couple of GFP games we're going to Hamburg versus ha uh, Holstein Kiel on Saturday and Hansa Rostock versus Fortuna Dusseldorf on the Sunday. So hopefully hopefully see a good couple of games there. I mean I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I've not been to Germany in over two years now. So to experience games live will be something something that I've really it's been something that I've really missed. So it'll be good to get back to that and experience German stadiums again. That was a great announcement. That was a that was a nicely timed announcement. I'm sure any, anyone I know who I was gonna... would have just sat up in their seat at, at the yeah hearing that announcement. In my notes, I'd put it in at the end as if I was going to say at the end of the episode, but I thought, you know what? This this seems like the right time. Mm. Uh, and I'm glad. I'm glad I did. So th I think it's safe to say there's, there's much to get excited about in the, the GFP world and for the listeners to hear about and get jealous of. Because I, I know I have when I've been hearing you talk about all these games. I've finally been worn. I've been worn down. I'm now heading across myself. Definitely helped by the Extremely cheap flights, less than thirty pounds, get from Edinburgh to Hamburg. That includes both ways as well. Twenty-seven ninety-eight return. Mm -hmm. So you can't you can't really say no to that. You can't. 
so much much to look forward to and I'm sure we'll give we'll give an update of how those games went I'm sure you'll see a lot of pictures on Twitter etc but give an update on the podcast once we've, we've uh, completed the weekend afterwards but so uh, aside from Dortmund uh, come to you Roy I'm not you've not spoken for about half an hour but... which is a shock <laughs> Where the, the, the listeners are probably enjoying that. Mm. Did any, any anything else in the Bundesliga weekend stick out for you? In the Bundesliga, yeah. I mean, I think it was an important win for Hertha. Um, it also shows the the disappointment of what Frankfurt have been this season in the league. They're kind of maybe flirting with the Europa League a bit. It's making it look a wee bit better than they actually have been. You know, they sit quite low on the table. But I think by Hertha, that was probably a good result just to keep them in the mix of that we could do something this season and come mid-table. If you saw them lose again, you'd maybe worry that they're going to be relegation candidates uh, or at least relegation fighting candidates. Um, so that's probably a really good result for them to get. Um, I think another one is also Wolfsburg. We obviously saw them lose last night. Um, I think I saw the fact they were the first German team to lose to an Austrian team in the Champions League as well, which um, is probably never a good start. And it maybe shows the downfall. Since, it's like since 1974, I think. Well, thank you. Okay, since 1974. When um, um, some uh, one German team lost to Wacker Innsbruck. Oh, there you go. See, I'm I'm just making up. I'm just making up. Um, new statistics. Uh, George here, obviously, stats man. Uh, backing us up here, but um, it's obviously also very disappointing. They, they were they were very poor. A lot of def- it was funny. Uh, me and George watching the game last night while he was doing his work, and I did say, you know, I really like the defense in Wolfsburg. They've just got really good players. Boom, defensive mistake at the game he scored. Second goal, a defensive mistake. Very, very poor um, from Wolfsburg last night. Um, and then Tulsa lose to Union, who are we seeing complete different sides of Union are dealing with Europa League, like the Euro- European experience better than Wolfsburg are this season. Um, so those two games, I think, results-wise, probably stood out. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll completely gloss over what happened on the Friday night game in Sinsheim, uh, because that was just... That was something. Elias Bebu looked like see, he was messy that day. See, the point the point I was going to make was it seems like in the Bundesliga, particularly at that weekend, it's a case of teams that had made a great start to the season, sort of lulling you into a false sense of security and then being brought back to, down to earth. So right. like Wolfsburg won the first four games. You're thinking maybe Mark Van Bommel was not going to be as bad an appointment as you think. But then really... Crushing, crashing back down to reality. Three league uh, losses in a row, and also the European defeat last night. Mainz also three losses in a row in the league, but I think they were overperforming anyway. No one expected them to continue with that momentum. FC Köln, everyone getting excited about them. I think it's the Bamgar effect with that though. Like everyone, Bamgar mm. is just making everyone excited. I don't think the team is. It's just the way Bamgar is. This is getting everyone well, uh, built again. It's a sign of maybe what happens when they're missing key players like Skiri and Hector, because I don't oh, I don't I'm think just... the squad's really that great. It's not as if the squad's improved too much, but Skiri and Hector are obviously are really good players to perform to a high level, and when they're missing, they really miss them. And just 
it all came together for Hoffenheim. Uh, Bebu, not always the most consistent performer, but he had a he had a really good game. Then Kramaric mm-hmm. uh, performed as well. Yeah, and on the on the similar vein of clubs that you thought had been performing well and then crashing down to reality. We've probably got to talk about Bayer Leverkusen against Bayern. Do you have to? I don't... It's not my favourite subject in the world, talking about, like, these big teams when they face Bayern and then you're completely disillusioned because they get hammered by them. We've probably got to mention it for a couple of minutes. Uh, so, Leverkusen poor or... Bayern far too good. I mean, there's an argument that Bayern can do this to any team. You saw even last night in the Champions League, they managed to beat Benfica 4-0. Benfica, who held out for so long, but then conceded all these goals in succession, similar to what they did against Leverkusen, to be honest. Maybe it's just a case of Bayern being so good, but when you're a Bundesliga fan, you'd like to think the best teams in the league would be able to compete more with Bayern but it's always so built up as well when it comes to this part of the season where one team is looking good they did it with Frankfurt last season they did it with you know every year there's always a team that looks like they're going to be good and they build up the first game against Bayern München and they always completely fall on their arse and it just proves the point to other people that it's a one one team league and it's really disappointing um, but I mean, I didn't get to see much of the game, so I'm sure George will take over, but I just wanted to kind of mention that part. It's always so built up when one team's doing well and that, oh, they'll be the ones to challenge Bayern. First time they play them, it's gone already. And then the impact that that whole week of building up just kind of is pointless. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point because like, since this result and because of the way that it was built up, it, I really am not a big fan of the way that... that you know, football in general, which, you know, isn't yeah, great news for our podcast, but football in general seems to be so much about creating narratives and having to always have a narrative behind everything. I mean, uh, this result led to so many sort of existential questions about the Bundesliga. And you see on Twitter, the amount of, sort of emotive language people are using, talking about, you know, what this means for the league and that, you know, how can the, what can the Bundesliga do to stop results like this happening? And, you know, this just proves that, the Bundesliga is structured the wrong way and that we need to get rid of 50 plus one, blah, blah, and what's the point and what, this is why no one watches the Bundesliga, which I just think it's just, it's just such a pointless argument. And it's just, I, I, I just hate that, you know, realistically, if you take all of the emotion out of it you, and all the build up and all of the, like I say, narrative around it, I mean, Bayern were exceptional and played unbelievable football. It was kind of comparable to what Ajax did to Dortmund on Tuesday, for about 15 minutes of this game, and they scored four goals in 15 minutes. And in football, at any level, that can happen, especially when, at the moment, in an attacking sense, I mean, Bayern have scored, like, what was it, like 49 goals in 10 games now. And you, you would have said last year that the only weak link going forward was probably Sané, and he's been one of the best players this season. they got Gnabry, Lewandowski, Sané, Muller, Kimmich, and... They don't have any weak links going forward, so they can score as they did today, as they did on Sunday, big pardon, four goals in 10 minutes, in 15 minutes, and that can kill the game. It doesn't mean that we have to lead into these big, stupid debates about, you know, well, this is why we should get rid of 50 plus one or whatever, because 
And then we were having this, uh, we were, me and Roy were talking about this the other day, a, a good point that Matt Ford made, which is that, it, I mean, this, res sort of, this result is the next logical step isn't to get rid of 50 plus one because 50 plus one is something so sacred in, in Bundesliga and German football because it still means that, you know, everything that we love about German football, be it the, the it's a place for uh, development of young players, be it the, the fan culture, the stadiums, um, the, the fan involvement, that's all still protected. And, you know, if, if we still, if we start seeing some of the investments like you see in Newcastle, it doesn't mean that there'd be, be like, any more competitive because it'd just be the same difference between the same amount of clubs. You just see this, you just see that, you know, Bayern would get even more investment and that, you know, th I mean, there's still going to, well, how much money you have in the league, there'll still be results for a team like Bayern, which has the best players in the world. Um, I mean, Lewandowski, in my opinion, should 100% be winning the Ballon d'Or you know, that they can go away to Leverkusen. And I think the thing you, all the signs were there that this could happen, that the Leverkusen were built up as such a great team. The fact that Bayern had lost in the last game against Frankfurt. And you just know every time Bayern lose a game in the Bundesliga, they're going to come back the next game furious and determined to win. So I just think that like, it's just annoyed me this whole week how it's just led to all these sort of existential questions about the Bundesliga when... You know, it's just, we just see it, we can't, I mean, no other walk of life do you just come, you just have to take things so out of proportion and instead just see it in isolation. There's this one game where Bayern were really good 15 minutes and that's the way it is. And it's not, it's not sort of um, emblematic of a much wider problem um, in the Bundesliga because the Bundesliga is great for so many other reasons. I mean, let's not forget that Leverkusen don't even adhere to 50 plus one. So when you're using it as an example <laughs> after a game like this, then I get, I, I agree with you though. Like, I feel like it's so reactive when things like this happen. And it's probably been exacerbated by the couple of the results in Europe with like Dortmund losing 4 0 to Ajax. I feel like it's 50 plus one is a thing that often comes up after like European results, particularly when. German teams, maybe they'd knock out stages when three German teams lose to English teams or something like that. But I, I just think it's not going it, to, it's pointed out as the obvious solution, but I think so many of the issues are just not specific to German football in terms of the lack of a level playing field. Like Bayern are so dominant, but it's not like that's the only league in European football, which is the case. And there are other leagues where 50 plus one isn't in place. You can see the same level of dominance, like PSG. I know they didn't win the league last season, but they're, they're still far and away the most powerful team. I just think it's more... It's a thing in like domestic leagues across Europe. It's more of a, a theme, the growing level of inequality between the teams. And... It's just a product of the last 20, 30 years of football, and it's not just specific to German football. Yeah, I think I think the other thing is like if you if if you look at you've got to remember about Bayern is that they're a very well oiled machine. Like they've they do consistently make the right decisions um, on a like non footballing basis in the in the in high places. They consistently sign good players and the right players. I mean, teams like Hertha have shown that you can't just sign players for a lot of money 
and that they'll work out. And obviously, Bayern have the you know the they pick off the best players, but it's not quite as easy as that. And they develop players in the right way, and they still manage to bring through players like Musiala to become you know some of the best players in their team. Um, and they managed to recruit um, the right manager like Nagelsmann, and they seem to they don't have the, they don't always have the the back the, the backroom issues that um, you see arise at other Bundesliga clubs and other other teams around Europe. I mean, someone made a good compa- a comparison with the fact that PSG just are sort of like a walking disaster, and that's why they didn't win the league last year. They consistently make the wrong decisions, whereas you know Bayern. They are as much as it, I loathe to say it. They do consistently make the right decisions, and instead of looking at how much money is put into the clubs, you have to look at teams like Dortmund, like uh, you know Gladbach, um, like Leverkusen, like um, Leipzig, Wolfsburg, and the, that they aren't. They've not managed to do what Bayern do and consistently make the right decisions at the right times and make uh, hire the right staff, sign the right players. Um, so I just think that yeah, like we say the. The argument is completely in the wrong place and we're talking about the wrong things. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, like, Bayern being so stable and well-run, Bayern could be in any domestic league and do that to a team as they did on Sunday, I would say. I mean, it happens on, happens on a consistent basis each season, though, which I think is the problem. But as I was saying, like, these discussions are so reactive that 50 plus one celebrated in times like when the Super League was uh, mooted and you thought that was going to be put in place. And then suddenly the opposite happens when you see results like that. But I think with the way modern football is going, that that's like something, one of the last remaining positive things that a European league can brag about almost. So they've got to... If, if there's a chance to retain any of that soul, then that's got to be taken, I think. Uh, I mean, it, it changes changes all the time. Like Coming into the international break, everyone was really positive. Like, we had Leverkusen looking so strong, Bayern losing to Frankfurt. You see how quickly it changes. So all, all it really takes is a couple of results to change the debate, change people's perspective on things. I think it will... It'll calm down. It seems to happen every season. People have this discussion. But I said we we're going to talk about this for two minutes. So I know, but it's like, we make a good points there. It's just going to get a bit boring when that happens. And you look at, like, George made a good point. It's not like they just go and buy the best players. They actually nurture them and they make them better players. You see other clubs have got money. They'll go and they buy players who are ready-made players and they're ready there for them. Look what happened. Gretzky was a great player at Schalke. Look at Gretzka now. Gretzka was, I don't think Gretzka would be the same player if he stayed at Schalke or maybe stayed at Schalke and went to a, maybe a smaller, bigger club at the time. Um, look what they did with him. It's not like they're... Kimmich, yeah. Kimmich as well, from uh, coming through the ranks of Stuttgart and then at Leipzig. Like, he's, he, they were never going to be the player they are today without Bayern and how well run they are and how well, how well they deal with actual players. Lewandowski as well. Lewandowski was sitting in the police league for a long time. Um I'm not getting I mean Levin no never mind. It's still it's still a point though. Like he was good at Dortmund. He was like sitting like Poznan for a long time. Dortmund's picked him up. He's done well in the Bundesliga and they've made him ten times better than he ever was at Dortmund as well. So yeah I think Zula's a good example as well. I mean yeah. like Zula this season has has shown that he's 
very much an underrated central uh, center half on a European level. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, we just we pretty much go through the whole Bayern side. Um, you know, maybe with the exception of Leroy Sane and yeah. um, Makano, maybe but that's Coleman. yeah, Coleman's a good but, one. But I mean, we pretty much go through the whole of the Bayern side and say that there's every chance that if they went to um, a Premier League side, if they went to a side like Gladbach, um, I mean, I, I, I hasten to say Dortmund, but it is potentially true as well that they wouldn't have developed uh, because they, I mean, Bayern have a mentality as well as a as a way of making decisions that. You know, it's not unique to the Bundesliga. It's not because the Bundesliga is a farmers' league. It's because they've, since the seventies, they've nurtured a way of of winning, and that's, I mean, it's, you see that in other sports that some some teams um, just manage to do that, and Bayern are something to be admired rather than to complain about as, as much as I do complain about Bayern. But if in the in the context of you know this debate, which you know, is triggered so much by short-term memories as everything is in, in football that, you know, was, like I said, I think we're just talking about the wrong things and people uh, don't properly understand, you know, what it, what what makes Bayern so good. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think we never really talk about Bayern, to be fair. I think we always make the, the kind of the comical narrative of we don't care about Bayern, but if you actually, like, we've actually had a really good job with them for the last, what, nearly five minutes now, ten minutes. If you actually look at what they do, they are an absolute powerhouse. You put them in any league, like you said, Colin, they probably win it. Put them in any league and they'll go and win it. They'll stroll it. They're just so well run compared to how other clubs and uh, other um, other powerhouse clubs are. Um, and, and they're really to be admired, although we joke about how much we don't want them to do well, we don't want them to win the league. They are there and they are doing everything right. So... What, like sometimes you do need to appreciate that, and with that result of the weekend uh, against Leverkusen, just kind of show that again that nothing's really stopping them just now, um, and nothing looks like it's going to stop them either. Which is it's also disappointing, but it's to, always to be admired. Yeah, the the last the last thing I'd say about this is that when I was talking about the mentality, it's just come back to me that after Dortmund lost four um, nil against um, Ajax on Tuesday. The zone were interviewing um Marco Rosa, and you know he he sort of was brave enough to say that I mean he was asked about you know his his side's body language and how how it looked after conceding one one two goals, and he specifically brought up the fact he was talking of in the Dortmund midfield was completely outrun and sort of bypassed by Ajax on Tuesday, and Rosa himself said if you look at Bayern if you look at Joshua Kimmich. There's no chance that he would have reacted the, the way that his the way that the Dortmund midfield has reacted to, to going a goal behind in that game, and he was talking about Thomas Müller as well, um, and you know they are the, I feel like Kimmich and Müller are the ultimate embodiment of like the Bayern mentality, which is not something that comes with you know pumping a load of money in um, or signing the, the the very very best players. It's something that's been nurtured at that club over the, the past sort of 50, 60 years. That's which you know just proves that it's, you can't just pump a load of money into a football club and then you, the result is a club like Bayern, which consistently wins the league, consistently com- competes um, in the Champions League. So I mean, it's it's a mentality thing as much as anything as well. I think. Yeah, I mean they're they're, they're rich, but they're also smart about it, and there's the culture. Because I think a point not really said that I, I've heard I've heard brought up before. Um, that Bayern don't need to sell players where other clubs do in the Bundesliga. So Bayern 
buying are smart about buying players. They don't overspend. You get like Man City paying, I don't know how much they paid for like John Stones or whatever, other clubs squander money on players. But Bayern are smart enough that they don't overspend. But when they do have a player, they're able to nurture them and develop them, ingrain them in the culture of the club. Because because they have the money and the wealth behind them, they don't need to sell the player on. And because they've got the reputation, players don't want to leave either. They can stay there and know that they've got a great chance of winning the Champions League. And there's no other club in Germany that has that level of prestige and pull, really. I mean, once you go to Bayern, there's no step up, really. Aside from... I, mean, I, I, don't, I wouldn't even say... Like Real Madrid and Barcelona are a step up from Bayern. I think Bayern are in the top tier of clubs and there's no other club in Germany that are like that. So they're able to keep players like Lewandowski who could grow and develop as he's at the club and get the, have the culture ingrained in him and improve as a player as a result of that. As a result of that. But I was quite, quite a decent discussion on Bayern, but I think I'll move on from it because... There's other things in German football than the top, such as Fuert versus Bochum. Oh, we really going to talk about this? No, no, I'm not going not, not to go into not into go into great depth. I think I'll just skim over the rest of the Bundesliga results. So, yeah. game of great significance, Fuert against Bochum. Probably a, a signal of these sides' trajectories as we go to the end of the season. Bochum, Bochum one out, one now. I'd say Bochum look likely to make a decent fist to the relegation while Foot are likely to head straight back down. I mean, that's probably two of the most winnable home games. Bielefeld and Bochum that they've played and they've not managed to win either. They're still sitting in the bottom with one point. Not great signs for the Shamrocks. Uh, Freiburg played their first game in the new stadium. So disappointing. Brought a herd. I know, it was like the, the worst possible opening competitive goal like a Forsberg penalty it was oh. pretty disappointing and from what I heard then like, I saw the highlights as well they were really unlucky not to win like they hit the post mm-hmm. like right, continued to flatter to deceive uh, it was mm-hmm. a shame shame they didn't kick off with a, a win in their first league win I know they they played St Pauli in a, a friendly but the first uh, competitive game just a draw but I think I think it's a good result though well, I think we should we should mention that Freiburg are still the only undefeated team in the Bundesliga, um, which has kind of kind of gone under the radar really because I mean, uh, where are they in the table? Like um, um, about fourth or fifth? Yeah, but I mean, like they're 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 actually a great example if you talk about German football. I mean, yeah, fourth in the table but with Christian Streich and what Christian Streich built over built up at Freiburg over the last over the last however long he's been there. Um, you know, that's, I mean, what a club like Freiburg can do is a perfect example of what, what is great about the Bundesliga as opposed to, you know, what a, a club like Newcastle might try to, mm. to build in, in the coming years. But um, like I said, Freiburg are the, um, are the only undefeated team in the Bundesliga. However, there are three more undefeated teams in the top four German leagues. Do you know who they are? Nuremberg. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they're the only ones. Let's try to think of now. St. Pauli? No, they've been beaten. 
There's any Nuremberg uh, anyone in this in sorry, this yeah. Bundesliga? Nuremberg. Uh, I've got Ishmael and Viganelli. Rob Nope. Oh. Lions, why? Nope. Any just illegal? That's not something I'm going to say. <laughs> it's not Magdeburg because you saw it. You literally saw them lose. I did see them lose, unsurprisingly. Who else did the top of the Jet League at the moment? We saw uh, Biolite. Biolite. I was going to say, yeah. No. Ah. No. Who's top of the best? FC Kings 5? That was a real guess. Would, would you like to put out of your misery? Yeah, to be honest. Well, I'm surprised. Because we've got actual quiz too. I'm yeah. surprised that, that Roy didn't get one of them, considering one of them is our, our next door neighbours, Twitonia Ottenson. Ah, um, I meant to see them last week. Undefeated in the regional league of Nord Zood. Um, and the other one is also not, not too far away. Um, VfB Oldenburg in the regional league of Nord Nord. Oh, Nord Nord. Yeah, so. Um, so two Nord Nord teams are meeting. No, Oldenburg and Nord Nord, and we're Nord Sud, are we? No, we're Nord Nord. Okay, well, Oldenburg, Oldenburg and Nord, <laughs> Nord Sud, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Oldenburg played a handle of the two Bremen teams, though. Yeah, so sure, yeah, surely that, that's, that's further north, is it not? I'm not, I don't know what it is. it? <laughs> Wait, we're in the north. Huh? He's been here five weeks and he doesn't even know where he is. I'm uh, surprised that you're not knowing that. In your tours across Germany, have you not learned a thing or two about the geography? I, I lost my compass in the in the yellow wall. So <laughs> Niedersachsen, Lower Saxony. We're not lower. in Niedersachsen. Right, we're in Hamburg, which is lower. Like, lower, lower, lower. Well, let's move on. Yeah, but lower Saxony is further north than Saxony. <laughs> yeah, but like well, we've been through this before that like Oberbayern is below Niederbayern. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's what I mean. I don't. Yeah, but no, like, so I don't. I don't. Try, and like the fact that there's a that there's a place called Ostwestfalen, just you know, I I feel like they. Well, it's not really a place. It's kind of like, yeah, okay. I mean, it is. I mean, it is a place. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> uh, I get I get told off for that the other day for writing the Padawan Cup on NRV when they when they they, they do they do I know that's what I say they do officially yeah. Actually, they do, but they don't they like seem to have a, Yeah, they do. They do have. A, they seem to have a, a strong regional pride, like Bielefeld and Paderborn and stuff. Um, right. The yeah. area of. Uh, I was going to say something there. Just, just leave it. Um, we're doing well. I was going to say the area area of nothingness between the Ruhr and like Lower Saxony, but yeah. I, I said it anyway. So. Going back I, feel, I think that Bayern chat just took out as well. Just kind of like lost. I would say the facts recently. I, I would say that on my train, um, where I was um, nursing quite the headache um, from Cologne back to Hamburg, it's a great train. I could, I can also guarantee it's a great. On train. Sunday evening, um, it was a, it was a real thrill for me because it meant that I got to. It pretty much stops at like at this sort of grey area in the in the in the rural part um, between. You know, NRV and Niederlachsen, etc. Um, so I stopped at Essen, Gelsenkirchen, um, Duisburg, um, what else did I stop? Dusseldorf, Wuppertal, Dusseldorf. Wuppertal. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, 
where else to the stop? Just, yeah, the most, like, just places that you would only know that only exist because they have a football team, um, such mm. as Girls and Kershian, et cetera. So that was fun for me. That that lifted my spirits temporarily um, before the lack of air conditioning um, brought, me back to, brought me back to earth. But Flex chains, cheap, but no air conditioning. <laughs> Other side track as we move on moving on from German trains uh, to another stop Munich Gladbach Munich Gladbach versus Stuttgart mm. not go to not going not not going into depth with these games uh, two sides points that season decent goals uh, Dutch Stuttgart probably lucky not to lose uh, Gladbach had 30 attempts on goal uh, but Stuttgart still probably did well considering how depleted their squad was with Covid like players like Mangala Tommy out playing Bredlow and goal uh, they'll definitely be happy with that point the remaining game was on the Sunday Augsburg versus Bielefeld not the most attractive on paper and it didn't really didn't really turn out to be very attractive on the pitch, but I did, I did watch it. I think it's pretty painful trying to watch Bielefeld score a goal, and when they actually did, I was really, really shocked because it was, it was a bit of a, it was a cracker, like from Lawerson, it was a good strike on the edge of the box. I think uh, Frank Kramer, that's his name, isn't it? I'm doubting myself. Frank Kramer looked as surprised as anyone else when he went in. Like eh, they actually scored a goal, but it's a point that's a bit useless, not useless for both sides, but I think that in their relegation battle, they'd want to overcome a, a similar a side similar in stature. I would yeah. say, I would say, I think that on a personal note, I, I would be happy if the if the table. Uh, don't worry about the top of the league, but in, t- in terms of the bottom of the league, I would be happy if it stayed as it did, personally. Well, I'd actually rather the Bielefeld swap with Augsburg, to be honest. But Yeah, Bielefeld swap with Augsburg. Send the Bavarian, send the Bavarian team down. Like, I, I think uh, yeah, get I'd Bayern probably Munich. accept that. Yeah, Bayern accept as well. The relegation is for us for Bayern Munich as well. All Bayern teams down. What did we say about that? If that's what it came to, I'd accept a Bavaria free Bundesliga because you relegate Bayern. Relegate, I mean, I don't mind for eighteen sixty. Get them back up to the Liga. That's their natural level. I'd say. I would also say, would say this year more than, no, more than no, I like no. I'd say this year more than any year. Well, I'd say in the last few years at least. I'd say the team that is likely to finish for third bottom of the Bundesliga is. Less likely to win against the team who finishes third in the side of Bundesliga. Then, if you'd agree with that, but I feel like the yeah. I feel like the, the mm. teams. I mean, I feel like if it's going to be one of Bochum, Augsburg, or Bielefeld, most likely. Yeah, I feel like whoever whoever they'll play, and it's going to it's still such an unknown who they could play in the side of Bundesliga. <laughs> I feel like it's. I, I mean, I think a Nuremberg this season would beat them. A hundred percent. I think. I, don't, I, don't I think, think uh, I think like both right now, right now, Bochum, Bochum and Bielefeld and stuff are just playing. I think they're playing with like a good Schweizer Liga squad. 
the moment. A squad that would get promoted in the tri league, but I don't think I think Bielefeld do have good players to be honest, though. But the likes of Sarah and stuff, I didn't think much of what I saw of him no. on Sunday. But I think he's a good attacker that could lead you to a promotion campaign and try to league him, but maybe doesn't cut it in the top league. I think they're still relying a lot on close when he's not really a goal threat in Bundesliga. He's not not really scored many goals, but he's still still really worth playing from an aerial threat. But then Bochum, you've got similar like they, they were relying a lot on Solar at the start of the season to offer them goals don't think he's you'd want to rely on him as a him and Poulter is really a source of regular goals in the Bundesliga either for I think it's pretty clear that their score doesn't really up to Bundesliga standard so I think that's I think it's a good shout that if any of these sides played a side in the Zweite Liga it would really be 50-50 who would win, to be honest. I think, I think it's, a good, yeah. it's a good point to make, to point out that, I mean, obviously, Fort uh, as good as down already, but Bielefeld and Augsburg in, in eight games have scored eight goals between them. Yeah, like, I mean, I just Going can't... into that game, they'd scored three goals each going into the game <laughs> on Sunday. Now they scored four goals each. And I don't know, I think, I think Bielefeld could do more with some of the players have got, they do have something about them, like Hack and Vimmer and stuff, but they they just don't have that cutting edge. I think they've got slightly more. They, I mean, they've got more about them than Fuhr, but Although, although I can't can't get through a whole episode without um without. Although I, I don't like them as a club nor a team. Um, just, we've got to give a. Some props to uh, Reese Oxford for finally getting on the score sheet for, for Augsburg. And, and nice, nice, nice to see a fellow Englishman also scoring in Germany. <laughs> it, really, it does really go under the radar that we were talking about this the other day. Like, people talk about, like, you can ask anyone about oh, what's, what's a good English player in, like, the, in the Bundesliga at the moment. And, like, Reese Oxford. I've seen, some, I've seen some shocking performances from Reese Oxford in Bundesliga. But like he's not been. I think he's. I think the fact he's still playing consistently in the stand lineup recently. Right? This he's, this season. This season he's been. I don't think he's a standout. Like I don't think. It, I don't think it should be go. I suppose he's sort of established himself a bit more in the, the league and the team this season. But I, I don't think he's someone that the Bundesliga. Like my problem with like Josh Sargent was the Bundesliga used to always go on about him. As if he was some like big star. I mean, I, I thought he was pretty bang average, but because he was an American, I think it makes the league more marketable. By the way, you did know? anyone did anyone see the the yes the yes? That, I mean, this is what I was talking about when I said that Josh Sargent would not be a success in the Premier League. He, he no no. I mean, I mean, that's I, I was when I saw that I felt somewhat vindicated in the um that's the he's just not very good at football and yeah they're like they they, they signed Rash Rashiska and he's sitting on the bench and they're playing sergeant. Mm. Let's just let's just let me move I on. I don't know. Point. I think I think players should I think these uh, Bundesliga players should just stop going to Norwich and uh, it's never worked. Go to stay in the Bundesliga where there's a much better atmosphere and you're not going to a team that's just gonna get 
relegated straight away, and then you're playing the championship next season. But poor Billy Gilmore. We're we're running away, running away with ourselves a wee bit here. Yeah. Uh, I think that ties up our round up to the Bundesliga. But maybe just briefly drop into the Zweitliga before we go into the quiz. Uh, probably just talk about the Hasfall Fortuna game, which I believe you were present for, Roy. I, was, I know you were present for. Well, you know I was present. It's kind of my job to be there. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, I think you commented on it, Colin. These top spiel 8.30 kickoff in German, German time uh, Schweizer Liga games have been unreal. And they've really just kind of added to the, the hype of the Schweizer Liga. Uh, every game is good. I mean, I know there's only two goals in the, uh, the game at the weekend, but every game's got really... Um, really good entertainment value, um, which was definitely to be seen, you know, with um, Bobby Glatzel once again. I'm going to go with the Bobby um, side of things with Bobby Glatzel. Keep that team going. Uh, grabbing another goal. Proving again, Colin, that he could be a decent striker at this level because that's him, I think, on six for the season um, so far. So not too bad. Obviously, the, the horrendous red card. And that's not even coming from a high spot bias. Like once you, what, like that was yeah, was I, had the, I had the, the the replay in front of me, and I don't think anyone in the stadium really understood what was happening. It looked like an okay challenge, but once you saw again, it was an absolute shocker from Edgar Prim. Mm. He rightly got his uh, marching orders after VAR. Far too much VAR in that game, I'd say. Um, kind of too many checks that were kind of point. Some checks were kind of pointless as well. But I think oh, some don't get, don't get me started on VAR again. Like nah, just... well, don't worry. But like there was a couple of checks for things that just didn't really make sense. Well, I checked for a penalty that just didn't look like a penalty at all far as far as well, and just it just kind of slowed the game down a bit, and it kind of ruined the atmosphere. The atmosphere was great. I should probably point out that before the game, you know, it was great to see the 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 fans were back. Most of the fans were back. I think there was just under forty thousand, which is good to see. Mm. Obviously, got a comment on the fact that there was um, really just horrible news that came out uh, that um, Khalid Nari was subjected to racist abuse, and also it was alleged that Bakri Yatta as well, the, uh, the Hasfal player. So it's really disappointing to hear. Uh, considering that's the first time that fans were not fully back in stadium because it's obviously still there's still rules, but it's the the most fans that can get back into the stadium. So it's really disappointing that it kind of soured the note of what was uh, pretty okay. They didn't win the game, but it was probably quite a successful night at the Volkspark Stadion to see a really good game, a uh, really exciting game. Uh, fans back, really good atmosphere. Uh, um, especially at half time, it was really nice to see. Because uh, that was like the first time I'd probably seen fans standing. Like I'd, I'd actually been in the stadium for three months. I'd never actually seen the staplets. There's been seats there the whole time. So it was like amazing when I saw that. Um, but I just kind of, it all ended on a sour note at the start of the week, um, which was really disappointing to see. So it uh, looks like they're going to take quick and, um, quick and drastic action over it and make sure that um, the fans are not, we'll call them fans, are not led back in the stadium again. So, um, couple of mad scenes that happened but as well in the way end uh saw plenty of cups flying shall we say um from where i was sitting but get back into the game it was a really exciting game um and two, two traditional teams it's kind of what you want to see uh when you go watch uh i've been tried to bundesliga game as well so it was really uh really impressive to to watch that and quite quickly enjoying myself um, other games in his Vita Liga, I think you've got to mention Darmstadt's 3-0 win over Braven was outstanding. 
Uh, really good goals in this game. I think it was this. The, was it the first and the second goal? It was an absolute screamer. The first goal, yeah. Fabian Holland. Absolute screamer just before at Holland, yeah. Just before half time. Um, and really impressed with Darmstadt once again. Um, you know, they're, they're actually sitting quite. They, they, they started a bit interesting in um, with the first couple of games. You know, they. I don't, interesting. They started like. Well, never mixed. No, probably. I mean, mixed, mixed bag of results. No, they, they start, they start I wouldn't say badly, they were yeah. bad and I wouldn't say they were great, but they were a bit in between and then all of a sudden they're starting to climb that table. Um, so that was a that was a really good result for them and I think it also highlights the point of what we've been saying. I think all of us are kind of agreed that Bremen are not going to get promoted this season. No, that's terrible. They are so bad. They're, rely, they're now relying on Marvin Dukes, who... It didn't work for him. Like, it, not that it didn't work for Hanover, but he wasn't going to be that striker like Taroda is at Schalke at the moment that's going to get them to the top of the league without them playing well. Um, so I think that hammer the nail. Watch what you're saying about Marvin Dux. I mean, he's a, he's a... I mean, he's a... I like he's his a, celebration. I mean, he's a very good player, but he's not going to be a player that's going to drag a team up the table and it's clearly proven... With um, Bremen's um, start of the season, I would not be surprised if Bremen finished in a similar position. Yeah, they just don't look any good. Even against Highsfall, they were really, really poor. Um, but that was probably a big one to to call out on. Um, also, Nuremberg again, like we mentioned earlier, still unbeaten. Uh, they're looking really good at the moment. Just they're just grinding out wins, uh, and it's that kind of like Red Bull. Uh, attacking, um, you know, play that they've got under Klaus at the moment, it seems to be working, and it seems to have got the best out of their their their, their best players are playing. But I think what was quite an interesting one was um, the Friday night games. Paderborn against Regensburg was really it was actually it was quite an entertaining game, considering it took a wee while to get basically into it. There was obviously the early goal from Regensburg and the late goal from Paderborn, but to see that as a top of the table clash was mad. This this uh, like this stage of the season, um, but it was a really entertaining game uh, at the the Bentley Arena, uh, which I'm hoping as we're recording tomorrow will also be another nice game at the Bentley Arena. Um, it totally like I, I think I turned off the conference to that game because the the Hanover Schalke game was just shocking. It was so poor, uh, considering how well I think it was a thirty thousand. Wait, how many how many Schalke fans were there again? I'm not ten. 10,000 10, Schalke. Yeah, 10,000 Schalke fans, which is unreal. It's not even like they're, they're close, but they're not that close. Um, from Gersenkirchen to, to Hanover. So that was amazing to see again. I think it was all, all in all, it was a good weekend of um, Spike League of Football. Uh, obviously, St. Pauli are Spitzenreiter at the moment. Um, they had a really positive result against Heidenheim, who just seemed to just be faltering a wee bit after a positive start to the season as well. So you, you never want to say anything about Sopali going into the well, the well, they're doing well because what usually happens is they start to falter after everyone says it's this and Pauli's year to go go back up to the Bundesliga. So we'll see what happens. By the moment, they, they seem to be the team that's doing really well, and and there should be a couple of good games coming up this weekend as well to, to look out for. But yeah, give that as your Spike League around up. Done my job for me there. I don't think I need to say anything else. I forgot, like, I, I remembered what it was like to be the host for two minutes there. Yeah, seemed to be getting back into it there. Reminiscent. Uh, 
So yeah, that that uh, ties up the roundup for the leagues. Uh, so I think we'll just jump into the quiz. I think we were undecided who was taking on that responsibility. Roy just put his hand up, so he's he'll take it forward. So yeah. I'll pass the torch back to you. So <coughs> basically, well, we we had a slight discussion about European football as well, and I thought with the European week going on, there has been fifteen teams involved. Basically, this will be the quiz. There'll be 15 teams involved in either the Champions League, the Europa or the Euro, UEFA Cup or the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup final. So they've either won it or they've been runners-up. And basically, you have to mm. name all 15 clubs that have been involved in the finals of... So it's the Champ, UEFA yeah. Champions League from when that started. Obviously, UEFA Winners' Cup beforehand. And the UEFA, Europa, well, how many times that has mm. changed. Obviously, we've not had a UEFA Conference League Final yet, so that is not included. So if if the, if I if I if I define it as a a, a difficult or a well well answered uh, one, we may give you an extra point if you manage to guess the year. Remember the year that happened uh, or anything. We'll see how it goes. But obviously, there's 15 uh, teams to name, and I think we'll start with Colin because he's been the our gracious host for this after, this evening, um, and George is sitting right next to me, so it makes sense. Magdeburg. Oh, he's going. He's going straight in for the the. the uh, well, not we speak about it a lot to be fair, but he's going straight in for the one that mainly people would go first. Magdeburg is correct. Is anyone want to open up to the year that Magdeburg Cup winners Cup? That was a bit. It was about nineteen seventy four. Well done. I think we're going to give him two points for that. It's a very well answered. Good answer. It's, it's, I'm not. I'm not just saying this. That is exactly what I was going to say. So, but um, my my next. Um, <laughs> Carl Zeiss Jena? Yes. Do you want to guess the year? Because I'll give you that, because that's a good one. 19th. Um, good start, isn't it? Um, it was in the 19th, yes. Um, 1969? No, yeah, far off. I'm not going to pass off okay. it, Carl. No worries. Nah. Uh, uh, it was 1981. Uh, they were the runners-up in the Cup Winners' Cup. Mm -hmm. I, I wish so, I looked into this more to get who they played, but I don't have that information to hand, unfortunately. So we're going to just pass patch over that um, part. But yes, uh, Magdeburg's and Kazakhstan are so far above them. Surely that counts as a two-point obscure. No. You said if it's obscure, it might give you two points. No, if it's obscure, <laughs> you get the year. And I offer the year as a bonus point. Well, listen back. I think you said that, that you said obscure. Oh. You get two points. Anyway, go on, Anyway, Carl. go on, Carl. Go on, Carl. Right. So uh, Borussia Dortmund won the Champions League in 1997, but they were also runners-up oh. in the Champions League in 2013, and they were also runners-up in the AFA Cup in 2002 when they lost to Feyenoord. Yes. I'll give you the extra point for the Feyenoord like, in the 2002. That's a, that's a cracking uh, answer there. They were also runners-up in the UEFA Europa Cup in 1993 as well. And they won the Cup Winners' Cup in 1966, George's favourite year. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you, I'll get, I think it's fair, George, that's a two, that's a two point for that. He, he went very into detail on uh, Bayville Bay. Above and beyond. Above and beyond for Bayville Bay's uh, European exploits. Um, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll. There's already a three goal deficit here. Like, mm. right, you might crawl it back. Yeah, well. Mm. 
trying to think how I can see. I'm not great with when they won. Yeah. Not, I don't really, I don't really care. Enough, so, uh, no, I just don't. I don't. I don't care for other clubs. You know, European history back in the day. Say, so I'll say, I'll say, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Okay. Um, and then. I, I can't even I can't even begin to I'll give you a point I'll give you a point for saying Gladbach. Okay. Well done. Um so yes, Gladbach, they are very big fans of the Europa Euro uh, UEFA competition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know what to call it because I can't remember what it was called in that time. Um but they were very well run during the the seventies into the obviously eighties. Uh, 1973 and 1980 runners-up, and 75 and 79 they won it. Um, so they they're big fans. They were also um, Champions League runners-up in 1977. Well, I see. I knew I knew all their success was in like the 70s and early 80s. Well, if I you said that, I might have considered the point, but you didn't see it. So hang on, I've got a book in in that room which is all about the history of Bristol Manchester Gladbach. Well, you didn't confer and you didn't reference, so you don't get that point, unfortunately. Colin, uh, Fortuna Düsseldorf are runners up in the Cup Winners Cup Not in the 1970s, 1979. Fuck's sake, he's got it on the ball. I'm going to give him to it. I, you've got it. You've got to give him to it for that. Come on. He's pumping you here, George, mm-hmm. and he's good. This is why he's the he's the he's the yeah. brains. Right. He knows everything. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Bayern Munich lost the Champions League in 2012 um, in their own stadium to Chelsea. Um, however, they did win it. In- <laughs> uh, however, they did win it in 2013 uh, and in 2019. Um, mm. no, fell into oh, finish what I was saying. Did I, did I, did I, uh, take that point. That's in 1920, is what, is what I was saying. The season, uh, I'll give you, I'll give you a second point if you can tell me among other, among other seasons. Oh. Yeah, if you give, if you give me a, a season that they were runners up in the Champions League, any, any season 2012, and you've said that already, 1999. Yes, okay. against Man United. Okay, right. I'll give him two points because he's he's went above and beyond there. Uh, Colin doesn't look happy, but can I get a? Yeah, no, no, I'm not gonna get an extra point. So it's gonna currently the scores are Colin on six, George on four. Uh, oh, I buy a lever because no, I didn't just say that. Runners up in two thousand two thousand and two. At Hamden. Yeah, I'll give you Real Madrid. For the, the stadium. The stadium gives you two. Against Real Madrid, Zinzin Zidane scored a, a volley. And, um, You're not getting any more points. This is how this is going to go. So, um, <laughs> it was yeah, assisted by Roberto Carlos. Also, um, they also won the UEFA Cup in 1988. Sorry. Sorry, I knew it was going to say by the um, Arsenal. Yes. Nineteen eighty-two. Wait a minute. You should know that. Yep. They were. What were they though? Nineteen eighty-two. European Cup winners. Cup winners. No. 
they were UEFA Cup, uh, what, what? Euro, UEFA Cup runners up. I might give you because you got the, the yeah, year, but, right? yeah, come on. Um, but yeah, so Hasfal obviously quite renowned in the 80s um, and late 70s for their cup success. Um, UEFA Cup winners cup in 68 and 77. Uh, they were 1983 Champions League winners. They were runners up in 1980 and they were also runners up of the Europa UEFA Cup, whatever that thing was called. Back in 1982, um, so yeah, I'll give you two points to George. So, Werder Bremen, Bremen were definitely runners up in the UEFA Cup in 2009. Yep. Lost to Shakhtar Donetsk. Well played. Because do, uh, do you remember who the the semi finalists were in that year? Haswell and. What? Another, another Ukrainian team. I can't remember what team. Uh, <laughs> was it Dnipro? Right, was it Dnipro they played? I, it was, I think they specifically made the draw German v German and Ukraine v Ukraine, so it wasn't a all country final. I just remember the the two legs between Hamburg and Werder Bremen were really good. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Werder Bremen. Uh, they also won the Cup Winners Cup in nineteen ninety two. For the for the extra mile you went again, Colin, you get two points. Well done. Two points so far in every round. Unreal. George is on five, you're on ten. When does this end? <laughs> <laughs> I would say first ten. I mean, we've been this is I would I, I mean how much longer if we go on for? I mean we can go on, but well we'll just we'll just see how well, podcast and there's no chance anyone's well, you've only we've been got recording for one, two, an hour and twenty three. minutes. You've got one, two, three, four, five, five teams still to go. Schalke, no fear. Uh, yes. Um, Are we just naming teams now? <laughs> um, yeah, they, they got to the semi-final twice in recent memory. Um, um, but I'm sure they must have got to the final at one point. Um, so that's my answer to that. Um, I don't think they've ever got to the semi-final, mate. Schalke. Yeah. They what? They uh, no. they won the Euro. They won Europa League in nineteen ninety seven, but they've never got to the semi final, according to my. That's not true. Yes, they did. That's not true. They got to the semi final. They lost to Man United. Is it? Yeah. Oh, it's it's um, not it's not on my uh, list. I think uh, it would have been when um, Man United played Barcelona in the final, but um, they beat Schalke in the semi. I think Schalke beat. Into Milan in the quarters. You might be right. My, I think you are right. My list is wrong. But yes, George, I'll give you two points for that. Right. Uh, Going to my list, we've got one, two, one, two, three, four, five teams left to go. Right. Uh, Remember, the runners up as well. They don't always have to win. That's true. Not all about winning. I've lost, lost, uh, lost thought. Kern. Yep. I don't know, but uh, say they d- did something in 1977. 1986, they were runners up in the Europa League. Mm. Four more teams. Two of them are just shouting 
Yeah, go for it. Two, two Eintracht, of... Eintracht Frankfurt? Yes. Ah. Get to hazard a guess of either a runners-up or a winner. Don't think. They were yeah. running. Oh, oh. Can I get can I steal a point here? Uh, if you get the right eye. They lost to Real Madrid at Hamden like 7-3. In yeah. about 1960. Yeah, well played. Champions League. They were. They also won the Europa League in 1980. Colin, you've got far more. Far, uh, far too much time in his hands. Yeah. Um, I think you can't really call it Brack, but um, <laughs> there's, uh, like I said, there's three more teams left to go. And I'm not going to lie, I'm quite disappointed in one team's not mentioned. Eighteen sixty. Yep. Uh, lost to West Ham. <laughs> Where does that come from? Yeah, no, we lost lost to West Ham nineteen sixty six. Sixty five. Yeah. I'm not giving you a point, George. Don't gonna lie, that's that was fair. Uh Collins at fourteen, George is on seven. Nah, come on. I literally named the, the fucking two more, two more. <laughs> Everything matters. Uh, last, last time we did a quiz at this, I forgot to say eighteen sixty is the right at the end as well. Uh, uh, so two more teams. Uh, left. One, I didn't realise uh, Bobby Wood was in 1860. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a hint. None of them are winners. Two teams, uh, two different competitions, but both were runners-up. Um, Rob Leipzig. Rob Essen, no, what did you say? Block Leipzig. Yep. 19... Well, I would say 19... It's in the 20th century. Uh, 1979. No, 1987. They were UEFA Cup Winners' Cup um, runners up. BFC Dynamo. No, one team left. Nuremberg. No, they are currently a Bundesliga side. Bochum. No. Um. They may have the tallest manager in the world football. Stuttgart. Stuttgart. <laughs> Stuttgart. Stuttgart were runners-up in the UEFA Cup in 1998. 1988, sorry. And they were runners-up in the UEFA Cup Winners' Cup in 1998. Double check. Yeah, that's yes. when Chelsea beat them. Yeah, yeah see, all his teams, you should know this. So, uh, Colin, a resounding 16-7 win there. Well done. Fast uh, knowledge from yourself in Ayrshire. What can I say? Just... Oh. Just part of the course. Part of the course. Winning these quizzes, I need need more need more of a challenge. But oh, <laughs> you, you need need more hobbies. I reckon. Yeah, I think I think it's more for you than us. Oh well. So uh, that was a decent podcast. That probably very long as we went into. We started recording at like ten to seven, and it's now quarter past eight, and I don't think we'd. I think we'll be editing any of this out. I think that was quite good from start oh. to finish. Did a good oh. job. But um, so we'll just we'll just finish off there. Uh, another decent podcast uh, and much to get excited about as we will have further stories of games live in Germany and you'll be sure to hear about it. So make sure to catch those episodes and we'll... Uh, Thanks for listening and we'll see you later. That was a shaky finish there, I think.